Episode 52 is here, folks, and this one is one of the most valuable ones I think we've had to date. Was joined by Mel Yu. Mel is in Australia. She lost her significant other in 2014, I believe, to suicide, and it completely has changed her life ever since, and she has become a, uh, an advocate of mental health awareness, suicide prevention keynote speaker, in addition to her marketing and some of these events that she's putting on, she uh, her purpose and mission now is really uh, to make sure that she saves lives out there, whether it's one life or multiple, letting people know it's okay to have negative feelings and go through tough times and have depression and anxiety, and there's ways to get help. And she found her significant other hanging in the garage one night, um, and obviously that crazy moment, that very traumatic experience in her life has completely shifted her goal and mission and outlook and etc. So a lot of uh, emotional and, and insightful and tremendously helpful information she provides in this latest episode. And we've linked all the notes uh, if you need to the resources that are out there for suicide prevention. If you need them, they're in the show notes. So uh, again, take a listen. If you feel like this episode could save somebody or anyone that's going through some tough times, please, please share it. Uh, it's it's really, like I said, invaluable. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only Mel Yu. The Optimal Life. Oh, no problem. I am just waking up here with a cup of coffee while you are probably already finished dinner. I have. I literally just finished dinner and um, just waiting for you to have a cut with you and then I'll um, actually go back and do some work. <laughs> but. Wow. Well, welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking some time tonight to, to join us. Where do you live exactly? So I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I think it's literally on the other side of the world from you, which is pretty <laughs> exciting. Yeah, I think we determined you guys are about 14 hours apart. Like you, you guys are so far on the other side, it's almost like you're falling off that that, that flat edge of the earth over there, huh? <laughs> Do we even exist <laughs> to Americans? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's crazy. So what, what what did you do today? What was your day like? So today, I actually had a pretty interesting day. I um. 7 a.m. over here, we had a, we actually had a women's mental health awareness breakfast. So we had a bit of a media launch here to raise awareness. Um, World Suicide Prevention Day is coming up on the 10th of September and then World Mental Health Day is on the 10th of October. So um, just being heavily involved in this space. So we like right now it's a, it's a busy time in terms of advocating and going to a lot of these events. So yeah. this morning I had a breakfast with with that, a campaign called a Lip Timber. So we're raising awareness for women's mental health down here, down under. And then from there I actually had a couple of meetings in terms of with my business. I run an events company down here. So just meeting up with new clients and building new relationships. And, yeah, and then I um, finished off the afternoon walking the dog, doing, <laughs> um, going to the post office, having some dinner, and then, yeah, jumping on a podcast. So yeah, I haven't really busy stopped day. today. Busy day, yeah. 
So tell us, how, yeah. did, how did you get involved, uh, this the suicide prevention in particular? How, yeah. how did you start getting involved in this? Yeah, so suicide prevention, um, we talk about it a lot, and I think constantly we think it's never going to happen to us until it happens to us. So suicide um, affects anyone and everyone, and unfortunately with suicide, I lost my partner of six years to it. So he died by suicide January 13th, 2014, so almost five years ago now, and yeah, so I guess from such a massive fork in the road in my life, I managed to turn it around and actually become, I suppose, a beacon of light for others walking through this same journey. Wow. So this was somebody that you were in a a romantic relationship with? Yeah. So um, Gus and I were in a relationship for six years from 18 to 23. And yeah, unfortunately, suicide was a choice for him and he took his own life in our family home. I'm so sorry to hear that. That had so to be I, um, that had to be absolutely yeah. shocking and devastating. Did you so so let's let's back up on that one and get into that a little. Did you guys yeah. did you ha- know that he had some issues, depression, anxiety? Uh, let's start there. Did he have did he have mental health issues that you were aware of? I think he, I would say that everyone has mental health issues. He definitely had um I would say underlying mental health issues, but never diagnosed or never properly treated. So nothing where a doctor or psychologist or something said that there were, he had depression or he had anxiety or anything like that. However, I guess in hindsight and looking back, there were underlying traces of that from, from childhood through to adulthood and just really extreme emotional irregularities. Yeah, you're right. Everyone, we all we all suffer at times from uh, different mental health issues, whether it's anxiety or even a depression, or whatever is going on in your life that's causing you to feel bad feelings. Uh, it could be very small things, of course, um, but obviously there's different levels to it and different extremes. So, did you think that yeah. his? Did you think that his? His? Um, I, I guess. Did you? Did you? see the writing on the wall ever or did you never in your million years think that that would happen so looking um looking back in our six-year relationship as well he definitely had had attempted suicide attempts from Mm. those suicide attempts he would be saved and treated in terms of being in our hospital in our healthcare system and always filled with absolute remorse for you know taking those steps or attempting uh, to take those steps yeah. and from there afterwards i guess it's it is very you know people function quite well actually if anything he was he was the light in the room and he managed to make everyone smile and engage with everyone he was lovable fun he's very handsome very genuine and i think it just it gets to it gets to the best of us sometimes when it's actually almost the ones that are always that happy and always that charismatic in public can sometimes have the darkest issues and the inability to have those tough questions and tough conversations, especially, I mean, I was his partner. We lived in the same home. So on the day, the day that he did die, there were no, I would say, significant triggers. It was a normal day. 
he went to work. He had come back from work and, yeah, I'm not sure what the gap happened, but I always say with suicide, it's often the perfect storm. I call it the perfect storm in that no one around that it just happened that there were too many pieces of the puzzle that Mm. fell into place in that one single day and that one single moment that became the final impact of someone's life. How how did he kill himself? So he hung himself in our garage, Mm, which, you know, obviously for your listeners um, might be evoking or quiet, but it's as transparent and as honest as I can be in terms of mode method. And I think, having these conversations and being on such a platform, it's actually quite important to have these conversations because I guarantee that Gus is not a significant, unfortunately, Gus is not a significant case that it's like it happens every day. Suicide happens globally and it it is preventable and I think it's having these honest conversations that allow someone else to maybe live a little longer. So you came, I agree with you, you came home that day and you found him? Yes, it was. It was a normal day. I work myself in a lot of um, in hospitality, so in bistro, and I finished work at about eight thirty, nine o'clock that evening. And I had come home. He had told me he was coming home early from work because he was sick. He actually was really, really ill. He had gotten a doctor's certificate and came home. So I assumed that he was in bed because he finishes work pretty um, early and then wakes up really early. He wakes up at 4 a.m. to go to work. He's in construction. So I assumed he would be in bed. His car was, his car was in the driving. Essentially again, it was a normal day. We go do our own thing and we come back home, come into the house and the medical certificate was on the coffee table as I, as he had updated me with about four o'clock that afternoon. And, um, yeah, I walked upstairs and turned on the light to our master bedroom. Oh, incredibly no. shocked that he wasn't home. <laughs> no, incredibly shocked that he wasn't in bed. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And so what I did is I phoned his cell phone, I phoned his mobile, and I actually heard it ring. And so for me, hearing it ring was quite alarming, and I thought it might be in the car, which I heard it was coming from outside. So I walked out, walked through the front door back to his vehicle, and it wasn't there and it was still ringing and it was coming from the garage, which is where the car was parked in front of, but I didn't have access there. So I had to run back through the front door and this time I was panicking and, you know, walking back through the front door, back to the laundry door through the backyard where, where we have access to the side door to the garage. And I, I honestly, I basically walked straight into him in pitch black, but I, I found the source of the ringing to say the least. And you turn the light on and he's hanging there lifeless. So what was that moment in your life like for you? So that moment is basically the night and the moment that my world fell apart. My future ceased to exist. And from there, I honestly don't know when the ringing stopped. I don't know whether it became just the ringing of the ambulance, if it was the lights from the police car, if it was my dog barking. It was all incredibly surreal and I think a lot of what the human brain does is it protects you. And so it kind of protects you from such huge amount of trauma. And I don't really, you know, there's, there was a lot of yelling and everything and then before I knew it, it's almost like the whole house was flooded with family and friends. And Oh, God. Yeah. It was oh. it was a, a huge thing. It shattered the community. Whew. It shattered, obviously, 
Yeah. Obviously. Good morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's uh, um, that's yeah, deep. So that's that's deep and intense. Yeah, and that was to think that that was four and a half years ago. But obviously, recounting the story to yourself and in my in my speaking, I remember every minute and I remember every moment and the littlest things that you remember from that day that didn't mean anything suddenly becomes everything. Right, right. And you never know that the last time is the last time until it's the last time. So I think now it's so important to always check in on people. I'm sure you've got suicide prevention campaigns over in Cleveland. We definitely have very large campaigns here, but even then I think the conversations aren't enough in terms of people are having conversations, but are they meaningful conversations and are they purposeful conversations and are people actually listening to people reaching out? Absolutely. And and the reason you were panicking when the phone was ringing and ringing and you knew it was in the garage is because, like you said, he had done this or he had attempts of this several times over the years. Was it all the same way or how would he typically try? I'm just, just trying to get an understanding for people that, you know where where does where does it start and what are the types of ways people try to to take their lives so i think you can definitely look at things in terms of extreme risk taking behavior and that includes drug and alcohol abuse it includes reckless driving and it includes sort of just irrational emotional behavior these are definitely triggers in terms of self harming and and using language that is, I don't want to be here anymore, using language like, I can't do this, this is too much, I'm a burden, things like that, I def- don't take them lightly because you just never know where someone's headspace is. And I guess the yeah. finality of what my partner Gus did was when you kick back that chair, you you can't get down. It's very, very final. So I just all I ask is for most listeners and for you know, anyone that is going through anything that is that deeply traumatizing and lonely and incredibly dark, I say just give yourself 24 hours. You owe yourself and your family and everyone, but mainly you, you owe yourself 24 hours just to think about it. I'm not saying don't don't have the thoughts. Sit with the thoughts, sit with suicide, you know, suicidal tendencies and things like that. It is okay. It is actually okay to have those thoughts. I'm saying that the action, though, taking action, just there are repercussions in that and there are repercussions that you might potentially, that's not what you wanted. What do you say? That's great advice. Uh, what, what do you, mm-hmm. there's so many places to go with this one. Let's, let's go first, go back, back to you before we move on. Uh, the most traumatic experience one could, could probably have, one of the top traumatic experiences in life you experienced that day uh a loved one someone that's close how do you start your recovery process i assume there's a lot of i assume there's a lot by default of guilt and i should have and i could have so how do you how does that process start for you and how have you handled your trauma i think for me the blessing is my level of self-awareness so when you have high self-awareness and you have um, just really strong presence and gratitude and mindfulness. These are very protective factors in helping you overcome such adversity. The work is always done from within. 
And definitely, I think initially a lot of people, his parents think are going through guilt. There's blame and there's shame around topics that we don't understand. You know, you hear all the time around people just communicating language like how selfish or um, he did the wrong thing. I think it's important to not judge in something that is so sensitive. You just don't know what other people are going through. So having an open-mindedness and also remaining not judgmental because you don't truly understand the situation. So for me, of course, I was I was living with him. So surely I should have seen some sort of signs and surely I should have been able to save him and surely all of these would have, should have, could have that are actually unhelpful thinking. Even for me in terms of healing, there is no way that I would be able to be here four and a half years later if I didn't find forgiveness. Forgiveness in his actions, forgiveness in my my actions, and just there's when something this traumatic happens, there's no one to blame. Yeah, well, I would imagine because I would imagine one of the things that you feel is so angry and hate, like so upset with him for doing this to leave you and everyone else behind. I assume that that's a natural, immediate reaction. Like, how could you do this to me? There are, I think, initially there are. traces of that but it comes down to perspective right perspective is actually understanding that he must have been in a really 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 bad place and i don't think that the his actions he was even thinking clearly about what he was going to leave behind because someone when they're that lonely and they're feeling that hopeless it's they feel like a burden to their community they feel like that that them taking their own lives is actually helping people and giving them a better life. They're wrong in hmm. in saying that it isn't true, but you can you know you can't control someone's thoughts and you can't you can't control someone's actions. All we can do is love people, right? Yeah, that's an interesting take. That's one of the things for me is I've always said how selfish it is for for someone mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. their own lives, and I've over the years I've actually learned a little bit more about kind of what you're saying, your take on it. And yeah, it is selfish, but you're not in that person's shoes and that person is not looking at it from that same way. Yeah. And they're in such and a... You, you saying that, I suppose, just comes from your set of values, your experiences, perhaps, you know, and what you've grown up with. And then that perspective, that is yours in saying that, but I think when someone's in such a bad headspace that they've actually gone through and do, did that and, you know, actually completed suicide, I just don't think that they're, they're, they're in a position, their mindset is not nowhere near strong enough to even comprehend the minute after, let alone a future or let alone anything but, you know, that deep, dark amount of pain. And right. I think from from the suicide because I like I ended up in a very dark place me- mentally as well you know and it was completely not my choice no. and I had to I suppose I had to work through that I had to grieve in the only way that I suppose I knew how to grieve and that was actually surrounding myself with a really good support network and you know taking it day by day a hundred percent there was no I'm a pretty outgoing person I'm very goal driven and you know I built my own business now and I'm a big advocate for it but back in 2014 
I was taking it minute by minute. There was it was survival mode. It wasn't even like there were no hopes and dreams. I was just basically, you know, if I had a meal in the day and drank a bit of water and that was that was my existence for a time. Sure, and of course. Sometimes, you know, yeah, like when you're in that space it's it's survival. It's what and then I guess daily and over time time heals a lot of wounds it just helps put things into a bit of perspective and yeah but when some people go and choose that action they really do they don't they're not thinking no it's no. it's not a it's not a logical thought process that they're going through well and you were help. yeah well you were kind of in that place for years it sounds like because mm-hmm. you were living with somebody that had made attempts so you were mm-hmm. kind of you, the, your 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 type of lifestyle and the type of underlying trauma or angst that you would probably started to feel you probably didn't even realize it. I'd imagine were there times were there times during those throughout those attempts and in between where you started feeling to yourself like I, I kind of don't want to be with this person anymore, but I'm afraid to leave him because he he has he's suicidal. Talk about that if you would. Yeah. And I don't no, I don't think it is that because when we love someone, we love someone unconditionally. When we when it's our soulmate and it's our life partner, we take everything and we accept them as our own. We accept their pain and we you know, we encompass that too. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I ever actually was like I need out and I want out. It was actually trying to find strategies and trying to work through mental health issues with anyone that's gone through a family member with mental health issues, you understand how, yes, it can be tough being the caregiver, but we choose that path because we love them. Yes. I, I'm just curious for people that maybe maybe are in that kind of environment that they don't necessarily feel that this is their soulmate, but they've been with somebody that they Correct. love. Okay. They love for for so years. This is so this a conversation where it's whether it's manipulative behavior. This is a conversation where some people can work out ways of emotionally abusing, right? Emotionally mm-hmm. abusing their partner and feeling like they are not getting a way out. For anyone that is feeling that, it is worth to have a conversation and get a third opinion or an objective opinion, because emotionally, our emotions. You know, they protect us, but they also, they're biased. When we, you know, we feel a certain way, it's its not actually like it might not be the best for us, which is where we end up in toxic relationships. Yeah. So although my situation might have been different because I was willing to stick it through, I'm well aware that it's at the end of the day, it's my choice. I have full control and accountability of who I want to be with and what I want to do with my life. And I think some people... If, if it's not for you and if that passion has died down and now it's a toxic, unhealthy, negative relationship, the bad days are more common and more often and frequent than the good days, yeah. then it's also your duty to walk out of that relationship. Yeah, because because this that, that's to me, it's got to be a living nightmare. for, And I'm sure there's a lot of people that live it every mm. day. Where they've got a partner uh-huh. that that has either that has either att- yeah that they've either attempted or they've threatened to attempt and if you leave me I'm going to kill myself and all this kind of, or or they're not they're not maybe that's not even anger they just they've tried to kill to kill themselves like like Gus did several times and then this person's like I'm not sure I'm really supposed to be in this relationship but if I leave him or her she, he or she might go then take their lives and then it's going to be my fault for it. it's just a, a pretty tricky situation i'd imagine for certain people out there it is 
it is it is always a sensitive topic which i think remains why this topic is always so controversial in a way because everyone's got an opinion or their values and i say that it's it's you can't force people to make action. So when someone does take their life, though, you have to appreciate that that's their choice and that was their decision and there's no fault in that. You are responsible for your actions and yours alone. And when you walk away and all you've done is love and care and then that person does happen to take their life, the guilt is not yours because you've done everything that you can in that relationship and it's you have to fill your cup first before you look after anyone else's. So if your cup's bleeding dry... It's it's not the relationship for you. That's a good good perspective. Um, yeah, it's such a sensitive issue. It's such a tough issue because mm-hmm. anyone that's touched that's close to it, your life's been changed forever. There's no okay. way around. There's no way around that. And you've obviously channeled all the emotions over the years, and you're giving back, which your service to this mental health awareness, the suicide prevention is. Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing. I saw you on stage with Mark Wahlberg recently, huh? Thank you. Yes, I was. I was over in LA last November and um, again, actually got to talk with Mark about about suicide and about youth education over in the States. It's a it's a really important topic because I think I think our kids and the youth are where we need to look into and where we can stem these rates of suicide by education and People just aren't battle ready when they leave school. They're just, they're not equipped to go through these issues. And, you know, life hits you and life hits you in the face hard. And there's no one really out there unless you're searching for the content yourself, such as podcasts and things like that. But there's no real mentors out there in school that teach you how to overcome these adversities. So being on stage with Mark, Mark's obviously, Mark Wahlberg is such an influential actor in the space and he's gone through if we know mark's story he's gone through so much with gangs being in jail doing the wrong thing and now being quite a great family man and looking after his children and we just got to be able to share that in front of an audience and really talk about how important it is that we raise our kids right and that we teach our kids about our emotions and not to use anger because anger is not necessarily the most helpful behavior and emotion that had to be like a, a ridiculously nerve-wracking, yet probably one of the most thrilling experiences of your life. How, how nervous were you walking up onto that stage? <laughs> so the crowd that we spoke to at um, Disneyland in Anaheim, it was actually 2,500 people. So it's the before that, my keynote speaking reached maybe 250, 300 people. Wow. So 2,500 is a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. obviously with the stage production lights and whatnot, walking from the back of the room, I suppose I I didn't have a phone. I'm mic'd up, getting mic'd up, and the crowds are going because it's Mark, Marky Mark. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think it was a surreal emotion and a surreal thing. But to be fair, I am... Um, I think we had a really, really great interview and he, Mark interviews really well and Mark holds the space, I think, really, really well. He's done this before, not his first rodeo. So it was, it was a really fruitful conversation, something like this, that was just real talk. You know, you take it back to the streets, you strip it back and you're just having some real honest conversations, which I think with Mark and then my status, it just goes to show that we're all human. Mark actually has nothing that's like overwhelmingly 
you know, special, he is special, but I mean, overwhelmingly talented that there's no, there's no gift that you couldn't go out and do something like that and become one of the world's greatest actors. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Well, when you're sitting there next to somebody, they just become a human being. When you see them on TV right. and all this stuff and glamorized and glorified, it, it, you feel like they're untouchable. And then you realize you're sitting, you're, it's just the two of you sharing a little table on stage in front of thousands of people having a conversation going, okay, I'm here. <laughs> like, yeah, and like, it's this like is when it. you show up, the sh- when you show up, the universe and opportunities show up for you. That's so right. that opportunity, I just happened to be definitely at the right place, at the right time, networking with the right people, having the right conversations. So, and I'm just a girl down under, you know, I really am. I'm a 28-year-old, just pretty average girl <laughs> that um, happened to have gone through a series of potential adversity but who has a life without adversity really no one no one gets out of this life without any struggles well i think what you've done too is a really great lesson for people out there is taking a really horrible situation and turning it into something positive and by positive i mean you're giving back now your service through awareness, through stuff like podcasts, through your social mm-hmm. media, through your event planning and these events that you're going mm-hmm. to and your travel. And you're going out there and, and your mission is like, hey, if I could save one other person from going through what I went through, then I've done my job. And I think it's yeah. probably been tremendously therapeutic, I'd imagine. Yeah. And I think when I'm vulnerable and obviously sharing something as raw as that to, you know, people that don't know me can judge me it's incredibly vulnerable but when I honor myself and I honor my truth I give permission for other people to honor their too so there's vulnerable there's strength in vulnerability and I think we need to at some point we lose that and which is why we don't have these fruitful conversations that potentially could save a life and if we save one life is that not more than enough is that not enough of a legacy to leave behind do you think it's more important to help yourself and your family or, or your society and the world? I think it's important. Interesting question. I think it's both. <laughs> to sit on the fence, I think it's both in terms of you have to, the whole journey in life is to find your purpose, but your purpose, which helps you, is funnily enough always about helping others. So I live a life of service. I contribute to my community because I think contribution and my community and my culture is paramount but in doing that it fills up my cup so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy it's a it's selfishly selfless the work that I do well well said well said and and you're now in another you're in a new relationship now it's very, very new, so it, it has taken some time to let someone else in. It has taken some time because I became almost this widow that was so strong and independent and did not need no man no more. And um, I had, but to be real, I think I just had massive abandonment issues. I think to put it at its core, I didn't let anyone in because of the fear of something like that happening to me again. Gus promised me the world. Gus promised me a forever, and he didn't get to live out that forever for the two of us. But when plan A doesn't go to plan, 
plan you have to find a plan b because you have to live this life for me there's no other option but to keep on going there's no other option but to move forward and i didn't this part this man in my life now is was not expected whatsoever but you you really find people that are willing to love you with all your scars and i think something like that is you owe it to yourself as well you deserve a second chance and it's time like i said earlier before it's okay to forgive yourself and it's okay to forgive others it actually is necessary because you don't want to live a life with grudge and hate and you know what ifs you just right. you just got to be present yeah no i think it's very powerful i think it's you have a you have a really really healthy perspective um on how to handle just life i mean how to handle the the hard stuff when it's get thrown at you what you've gone through is, is one of the toughest things people have to go through i'd imagine so like yeah. from here on out you're probably like hey yeah it's been a traumatic experience and i wouldn't wish it upon anybody but it's it's gonna make you it's it's clearly made you stronger it's clearly given you a different purpose in your life that maybe um, when you were 21 years old you were never thinking this is where you'd be at 28 yeah and you know what nathan it's sometimes when you're not aligned with your purpose the universe demands change from you and i'm not mm -hmm. saying as in gus needed to die in order for me to live my purpose nothing like that but things happen in your life and push you to be a greater version of you bad things happen to good people so that those good people can be a testament and a leader to others and that's, these are the stories that we should learn and grow from and be able to inspire, you know, be great leaders, be better leaders and and show other people the way so that, you know, you've already gone through the bad stuff. You've already gone through the hard yards. Right. Don't, like, maybe someone else could just avoid, you know, that little bit of trauma or that little bit of pain because you're guiding them in a better way. Absolutely. So so you this has obviously become your, your mission. Uh, you're also running some different marketing events, social connection and MCO events and the expo. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about the uh, the expo or and some of the marketing? Yeah, I can. So in Australia here, I'm fortunate enough to be able to run Australia's largest streetwear expo. And when people say what streetwear, I'm talking street culture. So I'm talking hip-hop, basketball, streetball and fashion. So I guess what I wanted to create here was, again, community. So we run large trade shows and communities so that our businesses can connect with um, their consumers face-to-face. -face. I'm really about, if you haven't noticed, I'm really about community. I'm really about people making genuine, authentic relationships because I think that's, at the end of the day, with business, in the business world, in the entrepreneurial world, in the creative space, we're actually just people to people. It's just humans connecting with other humans. And now more than ever, we're so privileged to be able to have these conversations because of the internet and we're so privileged to be able to connect with others from social media platforms. So I guess we created a really nuanced space here in Australia with Streetwear Expo and we're connecting those millennials and making them sort of get off their phones and being really present in a really, really fun cultural event. Wow. Since starting my... Yeah, so pretty proud of that one. It's called Ego Expo. If um, any Americans want to come down and check us out, I want to. I, I've um, been looking for an excuse to go to yeah. Australia. Shit, I've heard nothing but great things about Australia. Yeah, you'll need to. You definitely need to come down. You've got a friend down here now, so um, I do. Yeah, you've got a tour guide, and she's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. How many years have you been doing this? So 
with the expo, we've been running it for two years, mm-hmm. and it's going slow, like steadily picking up really organic um, traction. And yeah, the company as well, it's been two years. So I'm quite young in it, and I'm quite young in the game, but I think that startup mentality has paid off dividends. How many, how many people have my, you had? I'm sorry. How many people have you had at the show the past couple of years? How many people have I? How many people have attended the uh, the expo the past several yep. years? Yeah. Yep. So um, it's 1,800 people per show. Okay. And then this in 2019 will probably grow it to about a 5,000 people show. And yeah, scaling up that way. So they're quite large scale events. I specialize in trade shows, so corp- the corporate space, I would say more. Where because I just fell into the speaking, I fell into the conferences, the charity network. So we run a lot of galas for clients, and yeah, just every anything that involves purpose, intent, and impacting as many people as we can through a live event. We all know live events make a difference. That's why there's Tomorrowland, Coachella. There's such large music festivals because humans are meant to be, you know, social. We're actually meant to connect with other people and. We learn so much from different cultures, so it's really cool to find international events where people really congregate and like celebrate humanity. Oh, that's awesome! That's beautiful stuff. You're exactly right. It's it's. it's somebody said this the other day on one of my posts on Instagram. They wrote, "Your your network is your net worth," which is it's so true, mm-hmm. because without your network, you're just a one man show wandering around. While everyone else is making it happen, and because it, it's all about those connections and who you know, so I think what you guys are doing is beautiful, and who knows where that will lead to, right? You, you just never yeah. know. You never know who you might meet and, and those kind of things. Are you going to be in the United and States that, anytime soon? I'd lo- I'd love to come to Ohio. <laughs> you should, yeah. I'd love to do. I'd love to do maybe a little uh, a little follow up event with you, or maybe we can do something yeah, in terms of the su- so suicide. Video podcast. Yeah, for sure. Get it out to our channels. <laughs> I'd love to uh, sit down with you and then, may- or maybe even have like a, I don't know, maybe have a, a gathering of people and do a suicide prevention night. And I don't know, I'd we can do, that. we can do something cool. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to stay in touch on that one. Uh, for for anyone listening, that that back to that uh, that has gone through this for themselves or a loved one or a friend. Um, where do you suggest they go for suicide help and prevention? So you guys, I don't know your hotline, but it's the suicide prevention hotline. It's an 1-800 number because I've listened to Logic song. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah. for, for anyone in the Australian audience here, ours is Lifeline Australia. That number, the national hotline, is 13 11 14. But every single country, so it doesn't matter where you're listening to, okay. there is a national suicide prevention line everywhere, and they're 24 hours, seven days a week, counsellors on the phones. So reach out. It takes just one person to have a conversation with that could turn your life around. Absolutely. And, and you're not alone. Don't think you're alone in this. And don't think you're no. alone. I mean, uh, I would say I would probably imagine a tremendously high number of people have at least had thoughts at some point in mm-hmm. their life. And uh, just because you're having thoughts doesn't mean it's the end. It means it's just the beginning of you trying to get help. So, um, is that you? Is that you buzzing? Sorry, you there? Yeah, I've, I've, I've rejected the call. Sorry. Oh, no, it's you okay. Know, it's like nine o'clock in Melbourne time right now, and I'm incredibly popular. Uh, I, I, I imagine I, I see that. I see that from afar. But what I was saying is, is that just because you have those thoughts, it's not just it's not the end uh, of your life. It, it's really just the beginning of you 
if you want to make it happen, it's the beginning of you finding ways to get help so you get better. It's that simple. So And exactly, if you somehow ended up in that dark space, it doesn't actually matter what how you got there. You, you're there now, acknowledge that you're there, right. and then you know, remove the ego and actually put your hand up and ask for help because sure. you're such a valuable commodity in life. Right. Whoever you are, I don't even need to know who it is, but I know you're valuable. If you're a human soul, you are so incredibly important. It's it's just reach out, say you know, say say I need help. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, Mel, uh, we, I really appreciate you shedding light onto this very sensitive topic. My uh, podcast is centered around a lot of things: uh, health, self improvement, mental wellness, all being included. So. Um, I think that this podcast is, was tremendously valuable. And like I said, we'll stay in touch. If people want to reach you, where do they find you online, social? Please. So um, I'm best found on Instagram. Instagram's hashtag uh, handle would be at Mellie U, M-E-L-L-I-E-Y-U. And that's probably where I'm most active. So that's M-E-L-L-I-E-Y-U. And I respond back to every single direct message. I respond back all the time. I try to get back to everyone because I'm not preaching that, you know, everybody needs a somebody if I'm not going to be that somebody. So I definitely will always answer back and if you think you have no one, you truly, truly will have me. That's beautiful stuff. Check her out. We will link everything up in the show notes. We will put the suicide prevention information in there as well. So uh, really uh, appreciate you, and let's stay in touch. Maybe we can get together here sometime. Perfect. I look forward to it. You have a wonderful day, and I'm, I'm going to head you know, to bed. <laughs> uh, good luck. <laughs> good luck. It sounds like you haven't finished. It sounds like you haven't finished work yet. So have fun tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. right. You'll see me on, you'll see me on Instagram. Yeah. Working. All right. <laughs> good to talk to you. Thanks, Mel. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye.